Hello, everyone. This is a Stephanie speaking. This intro is a little different. I wanted to dedicate this episode to Mikey, my beautiful, wonderful cat, the most perfect cat that me and my family could have ever asked for. She passed away in March of this year, and it was very difficult losing her. We didn't have her for very long, but my family and I were never pet people until we met her, until we had her. We are so grateful to have had her in our lives, even if it was for such a short amount of time. And I wanted to dedicate this episode to her because my brother and I used to love to dance to Selena with her. I cannot confirm whether she actually enjoyed it or not. This episode is for you, the 0.5 and the original 2.5 listeners. So hopefully we can make you guys laugh and bring a little joy to your day the way that Mikey was able to do that with me and my family. So enjoy, guys. Mikey, this one's for you. Welcome to I Made Her Watch. I'm your host, Stephanie. I'm your host, Vanessa. And this week, I made Vanessa watch Selena, the 1997 film. I just want to say, when you say 1997, I'm kind of like shocked that it was 1997. And I think it's because J-Lo looks exactly the the same. same. Yeah. Physically, her face, everything looks about the same. So it's hard to believe it was that long ago. So this film, I've probably watched it like a good 15 times. Wow. Because, yeah, as you could tell, Selena's very, very important to Mm -hmm. the Latin American community, specifically more like Mexico within like the U.S., um, where my family's from, El Salvador, um, probably because proximity, because that's the type of music that Mm -hmm. we listen to. You would think this music might be a little bit triggering to me, and I'll tell you why. Triggering is never the word you want to hear. (laughs) You would think it was triggering, but it's so good that it's not. A whole bunch of us Latinx that grew up here in either Canada or the States is very familiar with the Saturday or Sunday morning cleanup routine. That is when your mother cranks up the music and you know, you wake up to that music. You're like, okay, it's going to be the same routine. Every time you hear that music, a lot of times it was Selena. I'll tell you that. And then she opens the door and tells you, get up, help clean. You never help me clean. You never have this house in order. And you wake up and you're like, okay, okay, okay. When you're thinking, because you think you're going to sleep in on a weekend, but you don't. Right. Don't worry. I found times to nap later on. And so did my mother, actually. (laughs) (laughs) The cleaning was exhausting. So, But the issue is then you help clean up, but then you have to hear the critique of how you cleaned up. 
Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. then they go and redo it all over again. So it's just like you might as well have done nothing to begin with. But it usually began with this type of music. So this music that you hear in the film, it is Tex-Mex. It has some cumbia mixed in. It has a few of genres that are kind of fused together. A.B. Quintanilla found a way to really merge a few genres into Selena's music. Long story short, you would think this music is triggering, but it's actually not. It it makes me really happy. It is happy, uplifting music. It's the sort of thing that gets you dancing. And it's the sort of things that you hear at weddings and parties and quinceañeras and like all that stuff. Right. It's like those, um, I guess the equivalent for like a white person might be. Have you ever seen that list of like songs that get white people moving? (laughs) And there's like a, there's a standard... It's a standard list of I am very familiar with that because I used to work at a banquet hall for a bit of high school and then university as well. And believe me, that mix is that's wedding mix. Yeah. It's that same thing. It's like a YMCA. See, classic one. There's one that I'm thinking of. It'll come to me later on, but it always gets people going. But yeah, you know what? I have to say, like, I could also see this style of music that's in the movie being very popular at weddings. And like the one that's played through, there's a scene and she's in all different outfits and she's singing the same song. Very catchy. And it's been in my head since it played. I can tell you which song that is probably when we... Beedy Bum Bum? Yeah, Beedy Beedy Bum. You know what's really good about her songs too? You can tell what the name of the song is Mm -hmm. really easily. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever words you remember from that song, that's most likely the title. (laughs) Yeah, but this is what I love about a lot of this type of music is just it's very lively. It's happy. It's joyful. And it's the sort of thing that gets you up on a Saturday or Sunday morning for cleaning. Honestly, a couple of the songs, not all of them, but like a couple of them did remind me of the good old days when we used to be able to go to a club (laughs) and dance. I think probably in a way, Beady Beady Bum Bum kind of reminded me of that in like a small way. It's not exactly like I don't think I've ever heard it at a club, but it's got that like dancing sort of vibe to it. And then earlier today, I was going for a walk and I passed by these group of people who were smoking some weed and something else and they also smelled like cologne. And that reminded me of the club scene. (laughs) And then I thought of the song on top of it and I was like, I'm at a Toronto club. I've obviously been taking you to the right clubs, Vanessa. I felt instantly better. <laughs> like This is a problem with the wiring in my brain. Yeah, because this is probably something that you would hear when we would go to that club that I took you to. Um, I cannot remember the I'm name of it. In here. I'm see. struggling. I can't remember the name. I'm having trouble remembering the names of things too right now. Okay, it's. do you remember it's the one that they did a very thorough pat-down? Like, oh, extremely yeah. invasive. Yeah. And I think they confiscated boyfriend's Tupperware once. <laughs> okay, look, I'm just going to say, if you bring Tupperware to a clump... In his defense, <laughs> he was coming from work, and we said that we were there. Yeah, true. And he went to join us afterwards, and they just sure. confiscated his Tupperware. It was a very invasive search. It's not the first time that it's happened. 
I remember going with other people and they all comment on just how. Yeah, she was, she was like grabbing in a lot of places. And I wanted to tell her, like, I'm carrying some holiday weight right now. So please don't (laughs) be forgiving. (laughs) And it doesn't help when somebody's grabbing like that and they have like a very serious, almost angry look on their face. I'm sorry, I'm maybe five pounds over what I should be right now, but you don't have to look at me like that. Actually, seriously wondering how anyone manages to sneak any drugs into that club, considering. I don't know. I don't know. She could fill up every piece of cellulite. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind if it was like drugs or anything else. This is sad. (laughs) It's it's been over a year since we attended a club. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we get to now kind of, in a way, experience that clubbing format in movies. Yeah, this, this, that's that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to make it better. I'm not really. But you know what? It is the sort of pick-me-up music that I really needed mm-hmm. after receiving the current news. Because right now we're in April 2021, the very beginning. And it turns out, no, it was not an April Fool's joke that the entire province is going in. I think it's shut down, but I'm just not sure anymore. We're going to call it the emergency break shutdown. Yes. And I swear, I think there was this thing on Reddit where it said that like Miriam Webster cannot keep up with Rob Ford's, not Rob Ford's, Doug Ford's, (laughs) (laughs) Doug Ford's various definitions of what a shutdown is because it's literally changed so much that I cannot keep up. Every time a shutdown happens, it means something different. Sometimes it means you must stay at home. Sometimes it means you can still be outside and like gather with five other people and do exercise if you're physically distanced. Sometimes it means you can sit at a patio and it's still technically a gray zone shutdown. And sometimes it, I don't know. I don't think we can do the patio thing anymore. No, now we can't. Now we but can't. I mean, Not that we did to begin with. At the end of the day, it's still the same for you and me. You and I are yeah. still recording this via Zoom. We have not really been in contact in person besides our social distanced walks. It is very sad because we're extremely, as you put it once, codependent. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's really getting to us. Yeah, it's been since November. Yeah, seriously. This is this is sad. Let's get back to something happier. Yeah. And please, until let's. it gets not so happy. <laughs> I'll have some funny commentary along the way. Yeah. Just to give you an idea of my train of thought as I was watching. Okay, perfect. So let us get started with the cast. You may not know about this actress that plays Selena, but her name is Jennifer Lopez. Shocking. She has a couple of aliases. JLo, Jenny from the Block. Mm -hmm. And you may recognize her from her first role in the movie My Little Girl in 1986. No. I I don't know. Apparently that was her first role in a film, though. But seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, Seriously. So she started off as a fly girl in Living Color and she was in Jen Jackson videos. We all know that she's a very talented dancer. But this was her first big breakout role that she got paid $1 million for, which was pretty good at the time. And I believe at the time was she was the highest paid Latina actress. That's very impressive. How old was she when this was made? It was 1997. I think she was born in 69, 27, 28, 28, presumably. Oh, I have no idea. God, she looks, she looks so great. I know. She looks fantastic. And me... 
I've just like been bloated all weekend. And then she just has these like abs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, why can't everything just go to my butt in a good way like her? Right? Oh, that okay, that's my third comment. Well, that is one thing that they got like casting wise very well. Yeah. You know, her she is very famous for her booty. Booty. She's bootylicious, as some mm-hmm. might say. But so is Selena. She mm. was well known for her curves. For her posterior. Yes. But there was actually a bit of controversy around JLo's casting for Selena. Okay. During the time, there was a bit of an issue because she is Puerto Rican and Selena's Mexican. So at first, there was a bit of an issue with that. Yeah. And you might have noticed on Netflix, there's a series, a Selena series called... Mm-hmm. Selena, the series. <laughs> Aptly titled. <laughs> yes. And that Selena is played by Christian Serratos. And you might recognize her from Ned's Declassified if you ever watched that as a kid. Did on, not. On Nickelodeon. I don't know what you watched as a child, Vanessa. I don't know either. Like, did your honest. mother not let you watch TV? I definitely watched it as a kid, like guaranteed. I just, I think I watched shows that were maybe either one age inappropriate or I don't know, maybe I was reading a, I used to read a lot when I was a kid. So maybe I just read more books during that time than I watched shows, but I just, I didn't watch a lot of Nickelodeon. Well, just so you know, she was in Ned's Declassified and there was... I believe there was a lot more controversy around her, especially after everything aired. Right now is like a good time to plug in some of the podcasts that I kind of went through to get a lot of this information. First, there is a podcast called Anything for Selena. I believe that's about eight episodes or so. It goes into topics such as Selena and race Selena and Spanglish, like it goes into all the themes and issues surrounding Selena really in depth and also places them within the context of the time, but also within like today's context. So we had some technical issues where the internet cut out and I revealed some information to Vanessa, but her her reaction was not recording Mm because I had paused the recording but Vanessa, I had revealed to you that JLo actually also is lip singing in the movie. And yeah. you didn't know this. I did not know this. And I was, I wish we had my initial reaction, but I was surprised. I'm still surprised because I wrote down in my notes, actually, it's one of the first notes that I have. I wrote, JLo must have changed her singing voice for this movie because not that I'm like super familiar with how she sounds as a singer, but in this movie, she just didn't sound like the JLo that I know. So I guess this makes sense. And also, I just want to say now, if that had been JLo, I think she would have got an Oscar for the role because that would have been really fucking impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Not to say that she's a bad singer, but like, obviously, Selena had quite the voice, really like a powerhouse. So next up, we have... We're going back to the cast here. Right. By the way. So we have Jackie Guerra, who plays Suzette or Susie Quintanilla, and she is the drum player. She appears to be inactive as an actress. 
uh, there were some movies that I found that she was in before Selena, which included First Time Out and Eat Your Heart Out. But the real Suzette, she seemed to quit playing the drums after Selena's passing. I think she still kind of did things here and there. But mm-hmm. she's currently the president and CEO of Q Productions, which is the production company that Abraham set up. Right. Abraham Quintanilla. Next up, we have Jacob Vargas as A.B. Quintanilla or Abraham (laughs) Isaac III. And he actually has like a lot more credits than I thought that he would. He was actually in one episode of Full House. I don't know what episode, but I kind of want to see it now. (laughs) He was in Jarhead. He was in The Sons of Anarchy, Luke Cage, Mr. Iglesias, and Mines MC. I was going to say he was in um, <laughs> the Chicago universe, but that's not him. <laughs> no, no, that's a spoiler alert, I'm Vanessa. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Doing this twice now, I feel like I had a heads up and I don't. Now we have Edward James Olmos, which plays Abraham Quintanilla. He was in Stand and Deliver, Miami Vice. He did some voice acting in the Road to El Dorado and Coco. And he was actually also in Mayans MC. So he has actually a very big catalog of work. Next up, we have Constance Marie as Marcela Quintanilla. So I don't know if you knew this, but apparently there was a Dirty Dancing TV series. It was short-lived. No. <laughs> you're so shocked. It's like the first time you're hearing about this. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> but she was also in George Lopez, which is the show that I'm familiar with, and mm-hmm. Switched at Birth. And the person that plays Chris Perez is John Cena. And it was not until this time around that I connected the two. I connected them well before. Chicago. (laughs) Vanessa. Chicago. Chicago what? Fire and PD and law, presumably. (laughs) And And so Chicago garbage. (laughs) And since you're so familiar with this yes, world, if I can recall, it's called the Chicago One world. Yeah. Yeah. Since you're so familiar with it, what is the name of his character in the show? Oh, oh, I'd, I'd have to go with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Had a chance there. <laughs> it's Antonio Dawson, by the way. Damn it. Damn it, Dawson. I watched the first few seasons of all of these, except Chicago Justice got canceled. So he was only in a little bit of that. But Nobody cares about <laughs> Chicago's justice system. He was also in a show called Homicide, Life on the Streets, and UC Undercover. I wonder what the UC stands for. I see <laughs> undercover. <laughs> UC. UC. <laughs> yes. Okay. I've ruined it again. Now we have the villain of our movie, which is Yolanda Saldivar, and she is played by Lupe Ontiveros. I recognize her. She has played a lot of guest roles. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of one episode or two episode or three episode appearances. I don't think she's been in anything consistently, to be honest, though. But she was in an episode of Desperate Housewives, Punky Brewster, Weeds, The Brothers Garcia. But she was also in The Goonies. I didn't know this. Hmm. I didn't know that one either. But I also realized that she's played four different Rosas. (laughs) And there's, I think, also Rosita. 
So okay. like two other ones of those. So there's some variation of it, but just, she's played a lot of Rosas. <laughs> Do you think she goes into casting calls and says like, you know, I'm perfect for this role because I have experience playing Rosas and you're looking for a Rosa and I'm trained for this. <laughs> I'm trained for this. I know you're asking for a 20 year old, but I can play this. <laughs> but I've played a Rosa and that trumps being 20. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I actually also looked up who played young Selena and her name is Rebecca Lee Mesa, but she, that was her only role. Like she's never played anything before or since. I wanted to look this up and I'm happy you brought it up, but I'm also sad because if that is her voice, see, now I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if these are actually people's voices or not, but if that is her voice, holy hot damn, I was floored. What a powerhouse and I wrote down as well I'm like this voice does not match the size of this child the same thing happened to me where I'm like I don't know if this is actually her yeah I I don't know we've been duped once now now I can't be sure I was like so impressed with this little girl I was supposed to look it up and see like what else has she been in what other I don't even like singing jobs has she had because I thought with a voice like that my god you can make it really far but now I'm wondering if maybe that wasn't her voice and if you know what if it wasn't she did a wonderful job lip singing so this movie just tying up was directed by I can't really read my writing at the moment it looks like scribbles but I think it says Gregory Nava. He actually wrote the film Frida, so the screenplay for it. And he also wrote Border Town, which is another film that J-Lo was in. And I think he also directed Why Do Fools Fall in Love? Interesting. I have a question for you, Vanessa. Yes, I like questions. Okay. Do you know what Tex-Mex music is? No. Well, I will use the power of Wikipedia... To inform you. Yay, Yay. Wikipedia. <laughs> Once again, my university professors would be so impressed with me right now. <laughs> you know what? There's nothing wrong with Wikipedia. Okay. Except for the fact that there's a whole bunch of things that are wrong with it. But otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the fact that anyone can edit it. Yeah. But besides that. Okay. So Tex-Mex, also known as Tejano music is a popular music style fusing Mexican and U.S. influences with elements from Mexican Spanish vocal traditions and Czech and German dance tunes and rhythms, particularly polka or waltz. The music is traditionally played by small groups featuring accordion and guitar. Its evolution began in northern Mexico, a variation known as norteño. So this is, Norteño is the type of music that my father loves. He has a <laughs> whole cassette tape collection, cassette <laughs> tape collection of this. And it is what I call the type of music that makes me want to drink. And what I actually found interesting about it, so I did read through this Wikipedia page of it beforehand, <laughs> Is that Europeans from Germany, first during the Spanish regime in the 1830s, Poland and what is now the Czech Republic migrated to Texas and Mexico, bringing with them their style of music and dance. So that's where you get like the accordion, the polka music and the dance. But I think that what's interesting about that is how that fusion of music is really representative of a fusion of people. I never would have thought that like there would be, let's say, German influences in there. Never would have thought. 
So now you have a bit of an education on piano music. Yeah, I think I understand it a little bit more now. Yeah, I definitely hear the polka in it. Now, thinking back on it, you can yeah. hear, you can hear <laughs> the accordion. I always thought that was hilarious because my brother used to have like this little accordion. <laughs> I also love, so there's also another instrument that's really common, which I don't know the actual term for it, but it's what I call the cheese grater one. And it goes. Yes, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what it's called either. I don't know what it's called, but I always want to play it because it seems so easy. <laughs> it seems so easy. And I've never been musical. Let's just say I had a guitar. I still have. I own a guitar. Did you know this about me? I own a no, guitar. I didn't know this. <laughs> I cannot play that guitar. <laughs> well, I mean, there's always hope. Yeah. 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 So this is actually my second guitar. <laughs> Why do you have two guitars? <laughs> okay, no, it's because the first one broke. Did you break it? So the first one broke. So you broke the first one? Accidents happen, but it was replaced before anyone noticed. I think my cousins chipped in and got me another one, and then I just never learned how to play. You know what? We're going to be really generous here and say that you never learned how to play because you were so traumatized from breaking the first one that you thought, let me just not touch it. Yeah, it was to preserve the guitar. Yeah. The integrity of the guitar. (laughs) I think everybody is probably happier that you made that decision. You're happier. The cousins that participated in like pitching in the money to buy the second guitar are happier so they don't have to buy a third one. And most importantly, that second guitar is probably happier. Yeah, if they like rusty strings. And but I I will yeah, they did. They do. I looked at it once and then I got scared and just like closed it. Um it's in a case and it's all like fluffy in there. You could say it's in a cage. No, but believe me, after my parents experienced uh, me learning the clarinet, yeah, I think they were fine with me deciding not to learn how to play that guitar. So now that we have this extensive background on Very extensive. the Hano music and all the actors and lip singing. And guitars. Yes, we can go on with the movie. Oh, <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> We're an hour in, but we had technical difficulties. It's yeah, we did. So like subtract an hour. <laughs> we literally don't know when it stopped recording. I have no clue. That's not good. We'll find out eventually. Sorry. Intro music. We open on Selena's bum. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not what happens. That's not what happens. In my mind, that's what happened because that was when my curiosity was like really peaked. Okay, it was like... <laughs> It was a silhouette. It was a dark silhouette. It was a very nice silhouette. Yeah, it was a very nice silhouette. And the intro music was very 90s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. And I did write down shadow figure of Selena and... And the bump. (laughs) You know what I wish I had done during this movie? I wish I had, like, written down each of her outfits and, like, in which outfit did J-Lo's bum look best? (laughs) Guess what? You should have done that. And now it's a lost opportunity. Our listeners will never know. And that's on you. This is on me. (laughs) I'm so sorry, everyone. I really am. I should have done this. I just thought about it right now, actually. 
we actually open up to what is supposed to be Selena's last performance right. in the Astrodome. Selena, throughout her, her career, had three performances in the Astrodome, and this is the one that occurred about a month before her death in 1995. So this was not filmed in the Astrodome. It was actually filmed in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. And the Astrodome can seat, I believe, 60,000 people, and it sold out every time. But they had about 35,000 extras for this scene. Shit. I think they might have just marketed it as like a Selena tribute. Yeah, exactly. Considering uh, how famous she was, I could definitely see people who kind of loved her wanting to go and like participate as an extra in the movie. Now, actually, and this is something I'm just thinking about right now. So this came out in 1997 Mm -hmm. and Selena died on March 31st, 1995. This film was made extremely quickly. Yeah, you're right. I never thought about that. That's a very fast turnaround. So we're backstage for this performance and Selena cannot figure out what she's going to wear. And then she thinks, no, I got it. And she goes into her suitcase and pulls out that iconic purple sparkly halter outfit. It's kind of like flared at the bottom. Bell-bottom style. Yes, exactly. And this is such an iconic outfit, and I freaking love it. I would say I think it's my favorite outfit of hers. Yeah? Yeah. She has a lot of great ones. It seems like she was quite the style icon. It was a big trendsetter in that way, and I actually really enjoyed seeing all the different outfits. They recreated them really well in the movie, but it was really interesting to see some of them. She wanted to be a designer, like you saw, yeah. kind of like clips of it mentioned. So all these were her ideas. I, I believe mm-hmm. mostly were her ideas, especially in the early years. She was like bedazzling shit all on her own. Yeah, that's the thing, too. Like watching that, like it looked really good. It's pretty impressive to think that was just her own creation, right? Like she took a bra and went to work. <laughs> So this outfit, like I've seen it like a million times, but most yeah. recently I had actually seen America Ferrera wear it in Superstore because I have been watching Superstore oh. and she wore it for a Halloween episode. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah. So it's got to be very iconic then. So she is brought into this arena. Mm-hmm. In a horse-drawn carriage, a white horse-drawn carriage. And I'm pretty sure the horses were also white. I was kind of confused when I watched it because it looked like a very Southern American setting, like a a rodeo or something. Yeah. Oh, yes. If you understand now with our Wikipedia education, now we understand the roots of Tejano music. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. So she opens up with the disco melody and this is part of her it's actually part of her album which is selena live i have listened to it multiple times and i think we see later on she likes like donna summer and yeah she is inspired by that so you can understand that disco influence comes from yeah exactly after she finishes a bit of this disco melody we go back in time back to the 1950s i believe i believe it is the 1950s And we have Abraham and what is the original The Dinos? So he was part of a band called The Dinos Mm -hmm. and they sang more of kind of that barbershop kind of. Yeah. But I have to say like very good. The singing was 
top notch. They're going to what appears to be their first gig and the owner didn't want them because he thought they were Italian. Mm -hmm. Turns out they're Mexican and this is a white only club. And it's just astounding how this was very, really recent. Like the 50s weren't that long ago and it's still insane to think about this is how it used to be. Yeah, to think that like a club could be labeled as whites only Mm -hmm. and they couldn't have a group that like, clearly very talented, couldn't have them singing because they weren't white, because they were Mexican. Abraham was actually born in the U.S. in Texas. He had dropped out of high school to begin a singing career and did release some music, but he liked to play that like you said, that kind of like that barbershop music. I forgot what the genre is called. Yeah, I, I don't know either, to be honest. But it's something that I I guess you would associate more as being like white music. Yeah. And that was an issue that he ran into because he wasn't allowed into these white spaces. But then when he went to perform in front of Mexicans, they didn't like that type of music. And this scene, the one that we see afterwards, where they're throwing stuff at them that they're getting kicked out of this place where they're trying to sing in front of like a Mexican American crowd and they have to be escorted out by police. It happened. This is what happened. It's pretty scary actually, if you think about it. And, but like also clearly a very uncomfortable position for him and his bandmates to be in, right? It's that thing where like, where exactly do you fit in? Because they happen to like a style of music that maybe doesn't stereotypically fit with their cultural background. (laughs) They're not accepted in either space. Yeah, there's this point in the film where he says that you have to be more American than the Americans and more Mexican than the Mexicans, and you have to be doubly perfect. Yeah, exactly. That's not only an issue that was happening there, it's something that's still occurring now, I feel. Um, I cannot speak for Mexican-American. I am not Mexican-American. I was born in Canada. Both of my parents are, are Salvadorian. I feel like I have a different lived experience than a Latinx I feel in the U.S. So I can't speak yeah. to that. But from what I gathered from that podcast, like anything for Selena, this is something that is very much still alive today. Yeah. And I would say it probably goes obviously different experiences, but I would say that feeling of like not belonging in either category and therefore having to be perfect at both of them just to be accepted is probably something that a lot of people who are maybe like first generation experience from like a lot of different backgrounds, obviously different struggles in each group, but that feeling of like struggling to belong in either of those categories is probably pretty common. I believe you've watched bits in an episode here and there of Jane the Virgin with me. Yeah. The main actress is Gina Rodriguez. And I remember she had filmed a commercial for, I think, a cell phone company, I think. And I remember the original run of that commercial. You can tell she speaks, you can tell that she has a very thick kind of like English accent when she speaks Spanish. Okay, yeah. I remember watching the commercial again and she had been dubbed over with someone, like someone else's voice. That spoke Spanish. And then I looked this up or I don't know how I found out about it, but it turned out people didn't like the way that she spoke Spanish. 
So they just kind of like dubbed it over. And there was an interview she did where she was like, her parents were so intent on her speaking perfect English that she, I guess, had trouble learning Spanish afterwards or or speaking it without accent. But at the end of the day, you know, you're born in the U.S., you're born here in Canada. I have an accent when I'm speaking Spanish. I still know how to speak it and I will speak it proudly. And this is one of the topics that is covered in anything for Selena, like this thing about Selena not being able to speak Speak. Spanish Mm -hmm. as well as some other Latinx people. The concern that she wouldn't be, I guess, welcomed. But people almost found it like endearing Mm -hmm. and responded to her. And it was something that when I was younger, really struggled with feeling kind of ashamed about it, that I couldn't pronounce certain words properly and like seeing her kind of like I saw her in interviews like I said so I saw her interviews with like Don Francisco in there and you could tell that she's trying yeah and she understands language she didn't learn any Spanish until later on in life right right yeah it's really interesting I mean as someone like I only speak really one language (laughs) um and sometimes not that well as I'm sure this podcast will reveal but like I think anybody who's able to speak more than one and understand and like write in it and everything else, I think that's a great feat. But I can imagine just how like disheartening it must be to feel like, you know, you've put so much work into both of these things and still feeling like you've come up short. Yeah. And you can probably tell why perhaps they didn't teach Selena sooner how to speak Spanish. Might have just been concentrating on, you know, getting them to speak English well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're kind of, it's one of those situations, damned if you do and damned if you don't, right? I did some more research on Abraham and it turns out that he actually did release a bit more music and he was drafted into the army. And while he was drafted, he met Marcella, who's actually half Mexican-American and half Cherokee. I didn't know about that. Interesting. Yeah. And he ran into that struggle about like playing Mexican music when he wanted to play this barbershop music. Got to figure out what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) But we fast forward a a couple of decades and he now has three children. So we have Suzette, we have AB and we have Selena. And you get a bit of an idea of the type of person Selena is. Type of person that puts a chicken in the shower to scare the shit out of her sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's definitely got some spunk to her <laughs> and like a free spirit, we'll say. <laughs> And she's got an amazing voice, whether that's actually her voice or not. (laughs) But her dad is like playing the song and she comes over and starts singing. And uh, pretty shortly after, (laughs) he realizes that he's going to strike gold with her because she's got some talent. (laughs) Yeah, she is literally drawn to the music. She's in the middle of a football game. Yeah. And she hears her dad play and I guess starts being able to sing along with his guitar by ear. I think this is the moment where he sees, oh, this is my opportunity to kind of redo my music career through my children. Yes, through all my children. (laughs) He puts A.B. on the bass. Sorry, bass, bass. Bass, bass. Yeah, (laughs) he puts A.B. on the bass. He puts Suzette on the drums and she's extremely upset about this. Does not want to at all. (laughs) She's like, girls, don't play drums. (laughs) And she just repeats this over and over again. 
But what's interesting about that later on in life, she became very much an inspiration for girls that grew up seeing her play the drums and learning how to do it because they saw that she could do it. Yeah. In the beginning, I had imagined that he was just like doing it to get all the kids involved, but I was impressed that it remained a family business, basically, even as Selena grew to be so very popular, right? Like all of the kids kind of maintained their roles within the band. I will say there's, and I won't get too much into it because there's literally so much on it. Like there's no way I can barely fit what I had into this episode. But there's a lot of controversy around the level of control that Abraham had over the children. I could see that. Yep. There's been a lot of fights with people that were part of the band. There was even apparently like a lawsuit with Selena's widow. So Chris, when I think he wanted to work on some sort of project about Selena and... Oh, that's... Dad stonewalled him. Yeah. There's apparently some sort of confidential deal was struck. There's definitely a lot of issues that are surrounding the level of control that he held over unlike the children. And you kind of see a little bit more of it in the TV series. Okay. Where you feel really bad for these kids. Even in the movie, it kind of seems like you said, it seems like he's trying to basically fix what he wasn't able to do in his music career and get his kids to do it. And I mean, clearly he had some very talented children. At the same time, there are definitely scenes where he kind of points to what might have been a sort of problematic relationship, which I'm sure occurs in lots of situations where you have a parent who's also the manager, basically. Yes. Of a money-making machine. (laughs) Yeah, he's a dadager. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, this scene is exactly, I think, what would happen if you just threw three kids into suddenly starting a band. I don't know how Hanson did it. I don't know how the Jonas Brothers did it. I mean, they ended up breaking up, but they got back together. So that's (laughs) nice. This scene kind of does very much play out how I would imagine. It's very believable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Abraham ends up wanting to have a place for the band to play. So he opens up a restaurant and he promises Marcella, don't worry, honey, I'm not going to quit my job. Mm -hmm. And you know, when he's saying it, exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very clear, number one, that it's not about the restaurant. It's just about having a place for the kids to play and getting them exposure. And number two, you know that this has become his primary focus now, his kids playing music. (laughs) Yeah, and this restaurant opens and they're playing music to a very white audience, Mm -hmm. which apparently was their target audience for a while. Um, What I don't understand is the Hawaiian shirts that the children are wearing in a Mexican restaurant. That's kind of a little bit confusing, but the white people seem to love the food, (laughs) (laughs) which they predicted. And they also seem to be liking the band. Like she's getting a good amount of applause for what's happening. And as you see later in a later scene, she comments on kind of what it feels like, right? To have people applauding and really enjoying her work. I just want to say though, that when he opened the restaurant, I had a craving for Taco Bell, which we had already discussed. (laughs) When I was seeing the restaurant booming, the craving for Taco Bell intensified. (laughs) Now, I would like to say, no, 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 I'd like to make mention before anybody yells at me. (laughs) I am aware that Taco Bell is not proper Mexican food, 
Okay. I'm totally aware of that. It's like telling an Italian that Olive Garden is Italian food. I get it. (laughs) It's a far cry. So I totally understand. It's just that I was having the Taco Bell craving and they're talking about gringos. (laughs) And like this in my head, it fit. So I got really hungry. But I have a confession to make. Oh, if you tell me you got Taco Bell. I didn't get Taco Bell, but I did have tacos. My cousin sent some over <gasps> with homemade like proper like, tacos. Sauce. Yeah. Oh fuck. I'm sorry, fuck. but I was hungry. <laughs> oh, I have another question: Papagayos or yayos? So, did you think that it looked like a G, or do you think that it looked like a Y on the sign? I thought it looked like a G. I could see where his issue with it came from. Mm-hmm. I think. With my current vision issues, <laughs> just, just I need a new prescription. I could definitely confuse those. <laughs> I could see the problem. Um, it's a fair point. This restaurant opens and it's a success and he quits his job. Mm-hmm. Zero consultation with Marcella. Not a good idea. And she makes a very good point. She's like, you know, her dream was to have security, like a place to live. That, oh, fair that, points. And the restaurant does do well for about nine months. And then Reagan happened, apparently. I wrote down, fuck Reagan. <laughs> yeah, so they have to close. And, you know, for her primary concern that not having that security, well, that happens when the restaurant closes down and then they have to move in with Uncle Hector. And I was laughing because <laughs> I think it's Susie who says, do you know how many Uncle Hectors we have? <laughs> I'll tell you, I have a lot of cousins with the same names. Yeah, it happens in every background, I think, right? The names are obviously different, but it's definitely a common thing. (laughs) But I thought that was hilarious. So then we have the scene of Suzette and Selena on the roof. And like you said, they were talking about their dreams and they're looking up at the moon and they're dreaming big dreams. Later on, we move on to Abraham showing Selena a song in Spanish. And she clearly says, it's like, but I don't know Spanish. Mm-hmm. So what he would do is he would write out the song phonetically so that she could say it. And then he would tell her what each word or each line meant. She speaks Spanish perfectly when she sings. So this is probably why. But I don't think she ever kind of like learned how to properly read and write in it. Right. And I mean, that would make sense mm-hmm. if the primary way that you're learning it is through song, then you've probably got the pronunciation and song really down solid, right? But if you're not practicing the speaking of it and conversing with another person, then that would be your weak point, right? And I think this is kind of the moment where Abraham is kind of taking the lesson that he learned from his earlier experience that their audience is probably going to be Mexican, so they're going to be catering to the type of music that they like. It is interesting, though, too, like you can definitely see it's a business thing Mm -hmm. for him as well, right? Like he's trying to make her as successful as possible. And that's one of the ways that he's hoping they can, like, I guess, grab as large an audience as they can. Yeah, I think he very much carries with him the experiences from his youth and how your roots play a role in who you are, but how others perceive you. So they move in with Uncle Hector. Yeah. We don't know which one, but one one of of them. But one one of of them. (laughs) 
And this neighborhood, it seems to be a bit more of a rundown neighborhood compared to like where they used to live. Selena is finally playing music in Spanish and you can start seeing her add those like little dance steps. Mm -hmm. But the crowd isn't really reacting. And Abraham being the dad that he is, instead of telling them, you guys did a great job. Like, don't worry. Which is what the mom them. Yeah, he goes on to critique AB on not keeping the rhythm properly and then tells him if, to go and write the songs then. Like, yeah. if he didn't want to play those songs, which guess what? He does. Yeah, he does take initiative. <laughs> he obviously took what his father said to heart. And once again, that's more than I expected, actually, from the kids, considering mm-hmm. they seemed like pretty hesitant to do any of this stuff. But I did think like in this moment, watching him be fairly critical of their performance, it kind of made me wonder when kids are that young and they become kind of like child stars. It makes me wonder how much influence and how much pressure is coming from the parents to get them to that stage. Like even if you have a kid who has a lot of raw talent, like Selena mm-hmm clearly had at a very young age it takes a lot of work to get somebody like that noticed it doesn't just happen I mean maybe there are rare cases where someone just gets discovered luckily enough and not that much effort has to be put into it but like it takes a lot of work and especially on the parents part right it kind of makes you wonder well Selena actually did drop out and got her GED wow so she she didn't go to normal school after eighth grade that's quite a young age to be dropping out of school. And to add on top of that, you know, they're very young, you know, they're inexperienced in this sort of genre, but also the kind of music is something that's very dominated by men. And Marcella points this out. I can tell you even now it's still dominated by men. That's a common theme in the movie. It comes up again and again that they see like this is a male dominated industry and mm-hmm. to have a woman rank on top, it's never happened. Well, in fact, she won the Tejano Music Awards for eight straight years. Wow. After they play this, you know, kind of lackluster concert of sorts Mm -hmm. at this fair, they go to the beach and you hear a bit of cumbia music. And I really like how they did this in the film is how they started showing how throughout their musical career, they were incorporating different elements of different music genres. Right. How like their musical trajectory was kind of changing. As those experiences were happening. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this this actually never happened. Like the scene didn't happen. Actually, there was quite a bit of scenes that I can tell you whether it happened or not. Hmm. Okay. So we'll be looking out for that. My family very much likes cumbia music. They play it a lot in the household so probably another reason why I heard it so much in the house although I was growing up and this is where the mom is showing her like more of the dance moves right yeah the washing machine yes classic and then fast forward to JLo and her booty and I can't remember what outfit she's wearing here so I can't tell you guys on a scale of one to ten how her booty looked in this (laughs) But she's definitely incorporated those dance moves that her mom taught her. Yeah. And first of all, she is dancing by Lesta Cumbia. So it makes sense she would be dancing, having those like cumbia elements to her dance routine. So this is a part where she is wearing a bedazzled bustier. Yes. Or a bedazzled bra. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know what the difference between a bustier and just kind of like a bra-ish thing. I think maybe a bra you can wear under your clothes, a bustier you can wear as clothes. Yeah, but I thought this was, a. I thought they just took like a regular bra and then bedazzled it. They do clarify later that her mother assisted her on this project <laughs> and Abraham's not happy. He freaks yeah. out. And this actually does happen. He freaked out in real life when yeah. she took off her jacket during this performance. So this is something that I feel, once again, it's just something that has happened even in my family, the way that my mother would react and how my father would react. Yeah. So my mom would buy me like cute stuff or I'd see something cute and she would tell me, you look so cute in it. It looks so adorable. <laughs> and my dad would tell me, she's like, you're going to catch a cold because your back is bare and the air is just going to go up there and make you sick. Pneumonia. That's how you get pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you just kind of like grumble and like a walk away. So my my dad is kind of the very difficult polar like, opposite reaction. Latino dad. Yeah. yeah. So this my mom scene spoke to you then. Yeah, yeah. Cause I could totally see my mom going, it's like it looks so nice and look how pretty you look. I was essentially a doll for my family growing up. Like anytime my mother buys me something, I have to put it on immediately and show her how I look in it. Yeah, so this scene, you're right, this scene did speak to me, but it happened. He was, Abraham was not happy with what was going on. But then you have that little moment where she's like, you know, this is the style, Dad. And he softens up. This is what Madonna's kind of doing, but I'm doing it better. (laughs) (laughs) But you can see in this scene, too, like before they get into their argument about the bustier, she's drawn a much bigger crowd now. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the next performance that's shown after her performance as a child at the fair. Mm -hmm. And this time also looks like they're at a fair, but the crowd is much bigger. And she's got little kids who come on stage with her afterwards and she's Mm -hmm. dancing with them. And you could kind of get a sense of like, she has that really magnetic personality. You know, I think J-Lo brought that out really well. Yeah, And, you know, Selena was that way. But I think that's also something that was missing in the series. You didn't get those glimpses of what would kind of draw people to her. And I love how Susie is filming her and she's on camera. And you get a sense of like her sense of humor and her playfulness. Yes. She seems to be very fun loving and just very kind of lovable person. I like that they did capture that in the film because to me, I mean, for somebody to have captured the hearts of so many people, there had to have been something not just about her voice. Clearly she had the voice, but also about her personality that drew so many people in, right? So I definitely think JLo's performance kind of captured that. Although, again, I don't know very much about Selena, but seems like they got that part right. Yeah, I feel like they're capturing that really well in the film. Yeah. Like, as much as you can in a film, to be honest. And then you kind of see in the next scene as well just how her popularity has grown because they're on that tour bus, Big Bertha, Mm -hmm. right? And so A.B. is driving it and he's already not very confident in his ability to drive it. I think they're going to get gas and he kind of goes off the road with the bus and so they're waiting for somebody to like stop and help them out and get them out of the ditch and of course Selena's like you don't know how to get somebody to pull over let me do it <laughs> and so these two guys who look like they're two like tougher kind of guys uh, as they mentioned they've got like tattoos and stuff like that they pull over they <laughs> recognize her and they're like anything for Selena <laughs> no 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 anything for Salinas Salinas <laughs> 
they lose their bumper in the process of trying to pull the bus out of the ditch. And they're like, oh, no worries. We're going to keep this bumper in our house as a tribute to her. You, do you know? I wrote down what sign they're going to put up under the bumper. Oh, what is it? This bumper was pulled off by the bus of Selena. <laughs> and then he goes on to say anything for Selena's. <laughs> Which is actually what I believe why the podcast was named that. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, this is a good time to ask this question. Did this actually happen? This happened. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this, this happened. So there's a garage out there with a random bumper on the wall with some no sign that says this exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's really, really funny. This a little red car cannot pull this bus out of the ditch. So the guys are like, we can drive you up to a telephone, which was a little ways back. Immediately, Selena's imitating her father. And he's like, I can't believe this, son. What were you thinking? And, <laughs> and Abraham picks up the phone and says exactly that. And he's like, who's laughing? Is that Selena? <laughs> and that scene was very well done. <laughs> It was so well done, but this is once again something that I do with my family. Yeah. Know what my mother or what my father is going to say in between my brother and I before a situation happens. We start imitating them. This is exactly how the situation is going to play out. out and it plays <laughs> out exactly to a T. And I won't, I know my mom's going to listen to this. So I'm not I'm not going to give any examples of Oh, this. shoot. Or else I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> Anything for Selena's. Selena's. I never find out why there's this extra S. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe they refer to the, like the three of them together as a band is mm -hmm. Selena's. I don't know. <laughs> Seems like eventually... They get this bus out of the ditch. Yeah, and they, Bertha's they, alive and well. Yeah, they drive her back home and Selena, she's on her bed and she's designing an outfit that we will later see. Yes, I like that outfit, actually. It's interesting. Yeah, I think it's just, oh, honestly, I loved all her outfits. Yeah. Like, just so good. Very um, creative. Uh, this was probably my least favorite, but it's, it's very rancher. <laughs> yeah. But it makes rancher look good yeah it's a rancher chic yeah and that's what I was impressed about I was mm -hmm. like to be able to make something like that look good is not easy uh, yeah and believe me she does make it look good how good does it make her ass look I don't know because Vanessa you didn't write it down I neglected so, good job this information but yeah, she's, you know, there and she's, you know, really seems to love bedazzling. And then Susie rushes up and tells her, you got to check this out, this guy. And we get introduced to Chris, who will be Selena's future husband. Yeah. But he looks a little bit different. He's in a bit of rough shape at the moment. <laughs> but man, can he play guitar? And you know what? I don't know if that's actually the actor playing. Who knows? I, I can't tell anymore. We've been duped so many times. <laughs> A.B. is really pushing for it. Abraham has some reservations, but A.B. convinces him to give him a chance on one condition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's that condition, Vanessa? I think that I'm going to get this wrong. Isn't it that he has to clean up his hair? 
Yeah, essentially, okay. he has to cut his hair. <laughs> and for whatever reason, use wire cutters to take off his bracelets. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which they, I don't understand why they couldn't why just, just, like, slip them off. No, they wanted to destroy it so he could never wear them again. <laughs> <laughs> I think they literally force him back into a chair when they're cutting his hair. Yeah, yeah. He was getting a little bit panicked. I think he felt that they were taking off too much. I was expecting them to, like, really cut it down. They left, like, the ponytail. He looks much better. He had a glow up. And Selena, she liked it. So we have a lot of moments of Selena and Chris just starting to get to know each other, including on the bus. They're Mm -hmm. kind of, like, flirting and they go and have pizza, and... And this is where I started craving pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's something about, you know, when their pepperoni is super crispy. I really like that. And she kept talking about it, and he kept talking about it, and then he poured a whole bottle. This was so funny to me. He has, like, the hot sauce <laughs> holster. The holster. <laughs> I was like, I know people in my life who would love that. <laughs> yeah. Where can I purchase this? We should have had that when we were in Cuba to add it to our food. Yeah, for some flavor. That would have been great. Yeah. The Cuban food was very good, but the buffet food was not very good. No, 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 no. <laughs> so Chris revolutionizes the way we eat, I think, in this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he also, I feel like it was very much trying to impress her with mm-hmm. putting all the hot sauce and then dumped like out. half a bottle <laughs> yeah and then turns out he can't really handle it all but Selena's talking about how people ask her about her like fitness regime and diet and stuff I eat pizza and Doritos and I'm like yeah you can do that when you're freaking in your early 20s yeah and then guess what happens yeah because <laughs> I could also do that I have also damned whole pizza, pizza. Pizza, on, yeah. pizza on my own. The aftermath of that is a lot of cardio. It gets progressively harder as the years yeah. go by. Yeah. And then, you know, one day you're in a union meeting and you've eaten seven slices of pizza and you can't get back up to go to your cubicle. Back on the tour bus, which apparently had been redone. AB seems to be riding Comuna Flor and Selena steals her sister's chips. Very understandable. It was some product placement there, Doritos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or I don't know, maybe she did really like Doritos. I'm, I haven't researched this enough. <laughs> the jury is still out on this fact. We move on to her actually singing Comuna Flor while wearing the outfit that you like so much. The ranch chic The outfit. ranch bolero yeah. with the bra underneath. It's a great one. They finish that performance and they're at a bus stop when they hear... Their song on the radio, and it's number one. one. And everybody freaks out. They're all very, very happy. And again, I do like how they kind of, in the movie, show you in little scenes along the way just how much her career has progressed while doing it sort of subtly, right? So you get a sense, but they don't spend too, too much time on like how the buildup of all of that has gone. I think that's something that's definitely more focused on in the TV series. But they hit number one. They're still on the bus and Chris and, you know, Selena are dancing. And then they hit some sort of bump. And then, oops, Selena's lips fall and hit his lips. And they continue doing (laughs) that. They continue to fall onto each other. It's like, oops, oops, oops. And then, like, other body parts fall on each other. 
So apparently they did get caught kissing on the bus, but it wasn't the same person that caught them on the movie. It was like someone's right. another bandmate. Okay. I can't remember who was who to tell you. Not. Yeah, I don't know yeah. either. I was trying to pay attention to that detail, but I wasn't able to. But she does express the fact, and it's interesting again, and in that kind of dichotomy in the reaction mm-hmm. between her mom and her dad, because she tells her mom, right? She's like, yeah. Chris is so cute and he makes me laugh and like we have really good conversations together. <laughs> And with regards to her dad, she's like, I really hope that he doesn't find out. (laughs) Yeah, he will eventually find Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. The reaction won't be great, as she predicted, as they both predicted. (laughs) But her mom does know about the relationship and her mom supports it, it seems, right? She's like, yeah, I I think Chris is really cute, too. I actually do really think the actor is quite cute. I mean, I'm not into the like long hair, but... um, But he's got a cute face. Yeah, he and does. I think just the way, at least, that he's portrayed in the movie. Obviously, I don't know what he was like in real life, but he seems like he was a very caring guy and really just wanted what was best for her and for her career and what her dreams were, which was nice. It was really nice to see. Yeah, it seemed like it was very supportive of her, but also supportive in helping maintain that relationship with her family because, mm-hmm. well, like, we see throughout the remainder of the film where, you know, Selena wants to get married against the wishes of her father, but Chris is worried about the relationship. Like, what yeah. would that cause to her, her relationship with her family? He's the one who even brings up at that point that, like, don't you want your family to be there at your wedding? Yeah, so then we have that scene that we're talking about before where Abraham, they're considering having an event in Mexico, but Abraham's worried about Selena's Spanish. And we kind of went through this before about kind of having to be doubly perfect. Yeah, and that's where that really good speech of his comes up. And like, I'm sure many people who have been in that situation and kind of been on the border between two different identities have probably experienced something similar to what he's talking about, right? Yeah, and he also has like another point where he says that his family's been there for centuries and still they're treated as if they just swam across the Rio Grande. And that small thing is saying a lot. What he's saying is that they're still treated as... Not only immigrants, but undocumented migrants. Yeah. That's what that little piece is saying. You don't belong here at all. Yeah. I think, once again, that is something that is still very much a sentiment that, unfortunately, is still very much alive today. Honestly, if you can say anything about that, it's the fact that that probably hasn't changed very much at all in those years. It hasn't changed since his time. It's still very much ongoing today, which is really sad. It definitely is. So we cut to a scene where Chris is trashing the hotel room. And apparently, so this did kind of happen. I don't think to the extent that it did happen in the movie, but apparently Chris did have to be a couple thousand dollars. Mm. Yeah. So what it seems like in that scene, unless I missed something, it was more like his friends in the room who were trashing it, right? And he's sitting Mm -hmm. back kind of watching. Yeah, I think what's that supposed to show is that everyone is kind of just constantly telling him who he apparently is. So I think when someone's constantly telling you, you know, you're supposed to be this way, you're supposed to be this crazy rocker guy that's trashing the room, no matter how much you're doing the opposite, they keep on projecting that image onto you, you eventually start taking on those qualities. Yeah. And I I saw it. It's interesting because it comes after that speech that the dad gave. And like, this is obviously a different situation. This is related to his music 
career. But again, it seems like he's this guy who's trapped between two different identities, right? The one that he's currently living out with the band, Selena and the Dinos, and the one that he used to be. So like this heavy metal rocker where there were certain, I guess, behaviors that were expected of them. And he's kind of trapped between the two and I guess trying to figure out who he actually is and where he belongs in all of that. And that also determines the role that he'll have in like Selena's life. Yeah, exactly. Because she's she's really not very impressed with him after that moment, mm-hmm. right? And she kind of says, yeah, you know what? Sure, maybe I, I don't know a lot of stuff about life, but like I would never be that stupid. I know this isn't who you are. I think she says at one point, it's like you're purposely trying to kind of, I guess, drive a wedge in their relationship. I thought that definitely gave him more depth as a character. I mean, he's not the biggest character, but I think it definitely gave him more layers. In fact, I felt like he was more fleshed out than even AB was and, yeah. and Suzette. So I wish they had been able to do a bit more of that, but they actually do a bit more of that in the series because mm-hmm. they do have more time. There's only a limited amount of screen time, but you want to know what Selena sees in him. But they go off to Mexico and we have the scene where she's going around, you know, saying hello to everyone very yeah. close up, which makes me very anxious. Yeah. <laughs> Kissing on the cheek. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they ask her in the press conference, how do you feel about being here or something along those lines? And she goes, me siento muy excited (laughs) excited and this is what happens to me all the time this is literally spanglish i have word farts apparently even even in english English. but i constantly am forgetting certain words in spanish and then my mind just defaults to english but then weirdly enough it can happen the other way around too (laughs) so there's in that in that moment of panic when you can't remember what the word is like you just you revert to whatever language you can think of the word. <laughs> yeah. It's just in my head, I think by default, I think in English. Yeah. But it also depends the situation that I'm in and it depends who I'm with because there's some people that I'm defaulted in Spanish and right. I have a very hard time speaking to them in English because what I end up doing is translating whatever's in Spanish in my head to English. This is a very complicated system. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand my brain very much, but that's just that's just how it how it works out. But the word she was looking for was emocionada, I think. Oh, okay. So, yeah. But it's very endearing too. Like, I mean, clearly this mm-hmm. is something that they were worried about, right? Mm-hmm. Going to Mexico and her being judged for not being Mexican enough, essentially. So here she is, kind of stumbling on the word, the right word to use in Spanish, and yet they all love her. She's clearly maybe not the most fluent ever, but she's somehow still so endearing. And even like when she says excited and then she kind of laughs and smiles, giggles a little bit and like everybody kind of falls head over heels for her. I think they bring this up in the podcast where it's just she's so unapologetic about it. Yeah. I think the fact that she doesn't kind of make herself smaller because of like that mix up. Yeah. And she just kind of embraces it instead. Yeah. Yeah. That also influences how people react to it. She Um, doesn't take it to be a weak spot. And so other people don't perceive it as a weak spot in her character too, I guess. But can I also say I really love this outfit? Like I just love it. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. And I know this. I know this outfit. I think it's on the cover of her Amor Prohibido CD. disc whatever i don't know if they were cassettes or cds or what the hell there were at the time (laughs) the format was of the music 
actually reminding me my cousin who is now 13 I think when she was younger she found an old cassette tape and she went up to one of my other cousins and she asked him how many gigabytes does this have Because she was confused as to what it was. So it's like, oh, it, it has music on it. That is the cutest thing, though. Like the iPhone, right? You know, you play music on your iPhone. Yeah. And she's like, okay, so how many gigabytes does this have? I'm like, this has no gigabytes. That's actually adorable. <laughs> <laughs> also, it makes us feel really old. <laughs> yeah, we've been through a couple of music mediums, I feel. Yeah, for sure. But only just because technology advanced so quickly in our yeah, very short time of being on Earth. Not because we're old, just because technology is so fast. Yes, exactly. We can't help it. So after this press conference, they go and they have this concert and there's issues with the stage. And this actually did happen, that the stage yep. started kind of like breaking down. Apparently it was even a bit worse than what was portrayed in the film. But the crowd is freaking out. They all want to see Selena. And the way that she calms them down is through the power of music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody relax. The stage might break, but listen to my voice. <laughs> It's like she lullabied them into compliance. Basically, and she tells her brother in the beginning, doesn't she, that like, we're going to do the song slow. We're going to start off really slow. So yeah, it's kind of like a lullaby. (laughs) I'm still confused as to how this fixes the stage issue. Mm -hmm. I was wondering about that too. Um, I understand the crowd control issue. mm -hmm. Unless the stage issue was simply because people were pushing too hard on the stage. And so if they stop pushing and calm down, then the stage will be okay. I'm not sure. But then what if they start playing an upbeat song? Then the issue just starts all over again. Yeah. We never find out about what ends up resulting (laughs) in this. We're never clear on how exactly the issue was resolved, (laughs) besides the lullaby. But they do say, he mentioned, over 100,000 people in the crowd. That is crazy. I don't know. I don't think they were expecting that. No, no. And that's part of the reason why they had those issues, right? They were worried about security after. And of course, I guess the stage and just the whole setup couldn't accommodate that amount of people. But she gets glowing reviews for the performance afterwards. She's on the front page of the paper labeled as the genuine artist of the people. Yeah. And I know there was a bit of discussion around this in the podcast regarding Mm -hmm. kind of what sort of stuff meant. And that part of it, I think, from what they discussed in the podcast or the argument they're making does have to do with the fact that she does like physically look very Mexican Right. Kind of more so than maybe what was being portrayed in the media at that time. They're reading all these awesome reviews in this newspaper articles on the bus. And then Selena and Chris start walking along the water or some boardwalk. And suddenly J-Lo gets a Texan accent that she didn't have before and then (laughs) has for about two minutes and then completely forgets it. Did you notice this? You know what? I gotta be honest, I didn't, and I want to see this again now. <laughs> it was, it's very slight, but the entire movie I was thinking, I'm like, she doesn't sound very much like a Texan. No. And you know what the thing is, too? I think I've only seen interviews of Selena doing Spanish interviews. Don't really know what she sounds like just speaking normally in English. So I don't know, but I know it also didn't sound how J-Lo sounded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gets dropped almost immediately. Um, Did you notice this in like 
multiple times that you've watched this movie or was it just this time that you picked it out? Just this time. But yeah, they tell that they love each other. Yeah. So she has to tell Chris in a Texan accent that she loves him. (laughs) Oh yeah. I did forget to mention something. Apparently Selena and Chris were already married when that stage thing happened. So like in real life, but not in the film world. So interesting. Yeah. They actually got married after three months of dating. Wow. So pretty quick. I mean, we understand the driving force behind that. We're about to discuss, actually. Yeah. But before we get to (laughs) in the movie, and I I did research, I think this scene, maybe not entirely in this way, but this scene also did happen that the dad sees them on the bus close together and he pulls the bus over and he tells them that this relationship is over. They have to give this up. But you said that, yeah, this happened. We should probably describe what happened in this scene. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So he's he's yelling at them, basically, and he gets really pissed off. I think, actually, I read about this. He said, in real life, he said something like, you're a cancer to this band or to this family or something like that. Probably um, said both, to be honest. Which, which is a pretty harsh thing to say. And Selena tells her dad, like, I'm not going to give Chris up. We love each other. And Chris also mentions at that point, like, we want to get married, right? So the father tells Chris that, he's fired. And if Selena follows him off the bus, her career is over too. He's going to disband the group. Emotional manipulation much? Yeah. I mean, there are a couple of scenes in the movie that kind of hint at the fact that, you know, he may have been a rather controlling manager of the band, but this one certainly is the harshest. Uh, Yeah. And also it Makes you also wonder, like, how much control does she have over her money? Perhaps I don't know enough to even comment on it, but right. just from a conversation that Chris and Selena have afterwards about like their money situation, yeah, after after they get married. But then earlier on, Abraham does mention that Selena has money and that she's mm-hmm. rich. I mean, it just kind of didn't match up for me, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's confusing. And like, I mean, this is where I could definitely see a lot of pitfalls for any child stars, really. I mean, she's not a child at this point. She's Um, 20 years old. Right. I mean, that's where it's concerning too, right? She is an adult. She's capable of making her own decisions at that point. And I don't think she feels particularly free at this point in the movie. I think she feels like a lot of stuff is kind of being controlled for her and not always for the best. It's so much the culture. I mean, mm-hmm. when the man of the house says, this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to happen. And you kind of see right. that throughout the film where it's like, you know, we're going to open a restaurant. I'm going to quit my job. We're going to yeah. start a band. And that that's exactly what happens. Yeah. And like you can see too, because after that scene happens on the bus, Chris gets off the bus. Selena stays on and she's got her head in her mom's lap and she's crying about it. Right. And her mom is trying to comfort her and everything. And you can see that the mom probably doesn't really agree with the way the father handled the situation either. Right. She seemed to have liked Chris quite a bit. But again, because 
the father made that decision and that is the decision that sticks. It seems like nobody can really cross him in that. I think this is something that I read. One of the concerns that the father said he had had basically with the relationship and with them getting married was he was afraid that Chris was going to be one of those husbands that afterwards didn't want her to perform or like Mm -hmm. further her career or anything like that. He would have wanted her to basically stay at home and cater to him. But he turns out to be quite supportive of her career and one point even more concerned about it than she is. Yeah. To be honest, but this kind of control pushes her to get married after only three months of dating because they realize that's the only way that they can be together. Yeah, exactly. And Chris is the one who points out like a lot of different things. He's like, you'd really like it if your family was there at the wedding, right? And mm-hmm. your, if your dad could give you away. And he says to her at one point too, you know, everybody in the family, not just your dad, thinks it would be a bad idea to get married so soon. And he says, you know, I don't want you to give up on your dream. I know you want to make it big and I want to see that for you. He's the one who's kind of pointing out all these very logical arguments. And she says, yeah, you know, I agree with all of that. You're right about all of that. But I know that that if we don't do this, my father will never accept the relationship. This is like the only way. Kind of the way the father dealt with this situation really does push her directly into his arms. So they do end up getting married. So they're in the car and they're driving back from getting married and the press found out. And I don't know if this is how Abraham found out in real life. She hears this and she tells him, no, go back. Like (laughs) He's like, where are we supposed to go? She's like, just not back to Corpus Christi. Don't go to Corpus Christi. What are you doing? Are you wanting to drive to your murder? (laughs) I don't know how I feel about the scene between her and her father where she's talking to her father about the marriage and he tells her that he's kind of happy that she ended up doing that. You feel that he was never going to go through on his threat to disband. He just kind of had to get on board. Yeah, it still leaves me with a bit of an uncomfortable feeling. But in the movie, it shows that fairly quickly, Chris is welcomed back into the family and they seem to have a decent relationship after that. And of course, Abraham doesn't want to miss a gig, so they got to make their way to uh, yeah. to the next performance. So, bee-dee-dee-dee-bum-bum starts playing over this montage of her, yes. you know, performing and wearing all these freaking amazing outfits several different fantastic yes. outfits there's one where the very fluffy the black stuff, the black with the sleeve. with the thing yes i love that one and that's probably my second favorite outfit of hers what's your first favorite outfit my first one is i think it's after that scene of the performances when she gets her grammy nomination the white dress yeah yeah yeah. The dress of the Grammys was pretty nice. Yeah. Well, she gets nominated for a Grammy. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> that news gets out. They start talking about making an English crossover album, which is very much yeah. was a dream of Selena. It was released posthumously. But right after they mentioned that, they play No Me Queda Mas. And I really like that song. I, re- I really like that one. Yeah, I realized in watching this, she she had some really good hits. I think they were able to squeeze almost all of them in there. And there's that really good scene just before the Grammys where they're going dress shopping. She's going with that friend mm-hmm. and they have a what I want to call a pretty woman moment. <laughs> oh, I wrote that down too! I wrote that down too, no fucking way! Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before 
before we get to that, right before that scene, Selena is opening up her boutique and we get our first guest who's apparently taking care of the business side of things. Yeah. And okay, I should also mention this. I mean, sometimes I like to spoil things for myself, but I didn't want to do it in this situation. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be surprised by how she died. I knew that she died. I had no idea of the circumstances of how, right? So throughout the movie, I had like little guesses along the way. Mm -hmm. I felt like this was like a serial killer documentary. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Actually, at first I thought maybe it's the father. Like maybe, oh my God. maybe they get married and he gets so upset that he kills her in a rage. And then for just a brief moment, I thought, is there any chance it could be Chris? But he seems so lovely and nice and like it can't possibly be him. Mm-hmm. And then this woman, obviously, the second she gets introduced or shortly after they're getting manicures, I think she's getting manicures with Yolanda and Yolanda keeps asking about the invoices that she's signing. And this is where I obviously got the feeling that like, uh oh, it's something to do with this. The thing that like weirded me out about it is that I recognize this actress from other projects and from the ones that I remember, she's not like a malicious character. She's like a very homey nice person so I'm like how could she possibly be the one (laughs) I I think because I'm so familiar with this film it's the opposite effect for me whenever I see her in other stuff I'm like "Mm." oh okay yeah yeah that's not that was not my reaction (laughs) so she's handling the financial side of the boutique but also she is Selena's fan club president right but not to the important pretty woman scene (laughs) Very important. (laughs) That bitch sales associate. (laughs) I would say this is a better and more feminist version of the pretty woman scene. I agree. I like this one more. Because it's obviously Selena's money. Just first of all, I love the reaction of like when uh, one of the workers from the shop sees Selena with her friend trying on these dresses. And then suddenly this crowd of people, it's Selena, it's Selena. And he just starts dropping all the boxes. And (laughs) you see all these people, the word is like passing around the mall. And all of these people are rushing to get to the store to see her. And she's got a huge crowd. And like, I'm guessing she was like this also in real life. She seemed to be very generous with her fans. You know, she was signing all these autographs and talking to people and smiling and just seemed like she was having a really good time interacting with the public. (laughs) And then the friend comes out wearing the dress and they don't really like how it looks. And so Selena looks over at the sales associate and she's like, we won't be needing the dress. (laughs) Yeah, I love that moment. That is, you know what? And it's such a bigger fuck you, I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Than, than what happens in Pretty Woman. Yeah, and she's surrounded. Like, it's it's yeah. funny how the scene works out, too, because she's surrounded by all these adoring fans, and the sales associate is somewhere far back in the throng of the fans, can barely see over their heads. <laughs> and she just looks over at everyone and is like, we won't need the dress. So, and the thing is, too, if she had bought something from there, how many of those fans do you think would have probably tried to buy some yeah. or something else from there? Yeah. So, you know what? Fuck you, lady. It had been um, her business, but no. They go on and attend the Grammys. She's nominated for the Best Mexican-American Album, which I don't think is a category that exists anymore. Yeah, I was wondering about that, too. It doesn't sound familiar to me, but I could Maybe be it's wrong. changed to, like, Latin Album or something. I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the Grammy categories. Yeah, it might be that. The people nominated are Vicente Fernandez, Los Tigres del Norte, Santiago Jimenez Jr., and Selena. And Vicente Fernandez and Los Tigres del Norte, they're popular before Selena. They're mm-hmm. still popular now, like... 
They've had a long career. Then. Yeah, they've had an extremely long career and all men, as you see. Yeah. Yeah. And Vanessa, you spoiled this, but she wins. Shocking. <laughs> no. It isn't so. I don't know if you can tell, but there was actually a mixture of actual footage from the Grammys and whatever they filmed for the movie. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did notice that. Before I forget, during that scene at the mall, they're playing El Chico de Apartamento 512. It's kind of a, a less, I think, less popular one, but I really like it. Yeah. Uh, but during the runway show, they're playing Amor Prohibido. So AB wrote this song, and apparently it was inspired by their grandparents' forbidden love. Oh. Translates to prohibited love. like Right. Mm-hmm. God, if anything, I would have thought it was based on Selena and Chris's story. <laughs> Another one I like. I like all, all the songs yeah. that were played. I, I generally like. And Bidi Bidi Bum Bum. So that one actually came more about by like a bit of improvising. But Bidi Bidi Bum Bum is the sound your heart makes, you know, when a guy passes by that you like. Gotcha. Yeah. So. I, I really like that one. There's something very like upbeat and fun about it. Mm-hmm. After this runway show, which is for a clothing line that Selena has, we have more suspicious behavior from Yolanda. Mm-hmm. So she they, they want to buy her something, right? To celebrate all of her successes, including the runway show. And Yolanda says, oh, if you just give the money to me, the money that you're going to spend on the gift, there's a ring that I know she would really like and I could purchase that. I was a little bit confused as to what went on in this situation because she does buy her a ring but I'm assuming that she like pocketed the money that they gave her I don't know where she got the ring from she probably got some cheap ring and then pocketed like the rest of it right okay but yeah and this was again where I was like it's definitely her she definitely if not her somebody connected to her but I was struggling to believe it And don't worry, I'll describe more of what actually was going on. Because as you can tell, like this film doesn't focus on her murder very much. It's no. literally like the last five minutes of the film, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Selena starts to record her English album and she's there's a scene of her in the studio where she's singing, yes. I could fall in love. And this was the moment I'm like, I definitely recognize <laughs> this song. And I had no idea that it was one of her songs. Oh, you didn't? No. I didn't. Oh, so that this was is interesting. To see. Yeah, this is really nice that yeah. you knew a Selena song without knowing that you knew a Selena song. Yeah, I wrote it down and I put multiple exclamation marks on there. I was like, I didn't know this. <laughs> you probably thought it was a JLo song. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> probably. Mm-hmm. She's got a better voice than JLo. <laughs> she ends up having conversations with her, her dad and her mom and Chris. Yes. And they're all this sort of movie conversations where you know someone's going to die. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because everything is getting wrapped up in nice, neat little packages. Everyone's so she telling how much they love each other. Uh-huh. And the dad's telling her how proud he is of her. Um, and she and Chris decide that, you know, they'd like to start a family and her mom is so excited at the thought of becoming a grandmother. <laughs> and then the dad calls uh, Selena to his office one evening because he sees something very concerning in the paperwork, the finances, and he believes that Yolanda is kind of scamming them basically and taking money from the business. And she's been handling uh, the business of the boutiques and I guess also the um, the fan club 
appreciation. Maybe you can get a little bit more into this and like yeah. what was actually happening. Yeah, I'll get into this once we get to the end of once we get to the end of the film. I can kind of go over the events of it. But yeah, they're noticing that there's money missing. Yeah, and they confront Yolanda like all three of them, mm-hmm. and they ask her for these missing documents. Yeah. I think they also ask her at one point, like, these checks we see here, you know, what happened with these? And she's saying, oh, I don't remember them, but I'll get you the missing records, right? And there's a point in the movie, too, where she's insisting to Selena. I think Selena goes out to her car and she's like, you know, how could you do this to me? How can you do this to the business? Like, I really trusted you and I thought of you as a friend. Nilanda says, insists that she didn't do it, right? And she's like, just give me a chance to prove it. And I really wanted to believe her in that moment. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, you won't want to believe her after I tell you what was going on. Probably around, yeah, probably what was yeah. going on around at that time. But then we get back to where the movie started, right? So her last performance. So and- you know this. That's what she's singing. Yeah. She's singing I'm Dreaming of You, and you can tell it's she's not actually performing it. Like, this is probably some sort of almost like dream sequence, but not really. I think she's in like an empty auditorium. I think it's almost saying it's like you'll never get to perform this because she never does. But I've always tied it to this point in the film and how sad it is. And I always tear up. So she's singing I'm Dreaming of You and it's playing. And then we start getting images of an ambulance taking Selena away and of Yolanda in a red pickup truck with a gun to her head and the doctor's telling the family that Selena's died. You don't hear it, but you can obviously tell. And that's the point that gets to me when they find out. Yeah. And that kind of just kind of how they break down. And she died at, at 23. Very, very young. Mm-hmm. Very young. And as you can see from the conversations that happened just before that tragic incident, clearly with a whole life ahead of her, right? Mm-hmm. And we get the last bit of the movie is kind of the visual scenes. And then there's various images and videos of the actual Selena being played. And I I had read too, that situation with Yolanda was like, I think nine and a half hours. They were talking to her, trying to like calm her down and get her out of the truck and not shoot herself as well. Right. Yeah. And this was like aired. Like this was the event of her. Yeah. was quite long. And then we've come to the end of the film. This is the part where I guess I can reveal a bit more information about what happened with regards to Selena's murder. Yeah. So it turned out that Yolanda was a registered nurse and she actually wanted to start a fan club for a different music singer. But that singer's father only wanted family involved in those sort of affairs. So Yolanda's friends actually convinced her to give a Selena shot and she went to go see her in concert, loved her. And after that concert, ended up contacting Selena's dad, so Abraham, and convinced him that they should start a fan club. And she was the fan club's first president. So what happened is that they noted that there were irregularities in the financials of the fan club. And before I forget, the place that I got this information from was a podcast called The History of the 90s Podcast, and it was episode 20, and it was Selena. So people were sending money for promotional materials, like they said in the movie. There were like pictures that fans never received and stuff. So she apparently stole about $30,000 from the fan club. Wow. She, like in the movie, denied that she did anything wrong, but she bought a gun, returned it what I think is the next day, and then went back and bought the gun, same gun a second time. Oh, God. 
On March 31st, so it was the day that Selena was murdered, she had agreed to meet Ilana to get those financial documents mm-hmm. that they were speaking about in the film. They met at a Days Inn in Corpus Christi. And I kid you not, Yolanda checked in and paid for a room in that Days Inn using a Selena Boutique American Express card. Jesus. At first, she tried to delay giving, handing over the documents by claiming that she was raped in Mexico once she oh was fine there with Selena. So Selena drove her to a hospital and they found no evidence of rape. And then when they returned to the motel, she asked for the documents again. And just before noon, she ran out of the room asking for help. And I think Yolanda was following her for a bit and then like went back into the room. And then Selena collapsed and... Yolanda's name was actually, I think, the last thing that she said before. Oh, she... wow. So they were her last words. And then we get to that part where she kind of barricades herself inside of that red pickup truck. And yeah. yeah, you're right. They negotiated for about nine hours and she had a gun to her head. And eventually she surrendered to the police. When it comes to Selena, she died shortly after arriving to the hospital. She was shot in the back. Wow. Yeah, and she died about two weeks before her birthday. So, so she would have been 24? Yeah, I think so. So apparently, when it came to her trial, the defense lawyer argued that Yolanda had planned to actually kill herself, but it went off by accident and she ended up killing Selena. Sure. Yeah. She apparently bought the gun to protect herself against Selena's dad, who she claimed had raped her and sexually abused her. Um, Abraham denies these allegations and Mm -hmm. Linda was found guilty and she was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole until 2025. Oh, wow. Interesting. That's actually coming up. (laughs) Yeah. Her death, obviously because of who she was, but also because of the fact that she was murdered and who killed her really impacted the Latino community. It was a really sad time. I actually asked my parents, like, what was it like when she died? Because I was, I don't remember. And I asked him, like, oh, Dad, did you like Selena too? And he was like, yeah, I, I liked her. And I'm like, do you remember when she died? And he goes, we were in El Salvador. We were there for Semana Santa. And you were about two years old. And we had to, he's recounting his that sounds like a little bit more than he just liked her. <laughs> yeah, so he he knew because I was like, my mom, like when I asked my mom and her grandma, we were like, yeah, like I remember that and it was so sad. Yeah. And my dad is like giving me a play-by-play <laughs> where we were. It was dark that day. <laughs> it was a dark, dark day. It would not stop. It was about mm-hmm. 20 degrees. <laughs> oh, it was more than 20 degrees, believe me. Way more than 20 degrees, probably. Yeah, so it hit hard. You know, I think whenever someone of like that caliber passes away, it hits their fans very hard. But there was actually, and this is something I found out through watching, through both the podcasts, was some commentary that Howard Stern had about it. I heard about this. Yeah. Gross. So he criticized the Mexican people's taste in music. Mm -hmm. And as he played her music, he played gunshots over it. Yeah. Which was more than tasteless. It's disgusting. Yeah. What he did. So he did that on the day of her funeral. And he also said some things using an accent. He 
apparently apologized afterwards, but there was still an arrest warrant out for him in Texas for disorderly conduct. So if he had actually entered Texas within that year, he could have been arrested. Good fucking asshole. And I'm like, you know what? I never liked Howard Stern. That's just, you know what? That's the shitty behavior. I mean, I think everything that he said was terrible, but particularly playing her music with the gunshots going off in the background, like... Mm -hmm. Somebody died from very tragic circumstances. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you like their music or not. That's a gross thing to do. It's just such a disrespect for human life. And yeah. it was very racially motivated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But I guess it's that time of the show, Vanessa. So number one, would you rewatch? And- I would rewatch, yes. Oh, really? Sorry, that was really um, quick. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, but I'm I'm really glad. Like I said, I've watched it like so many times. Yeah, yeah. I only recently, over the last few years, haven't I rewatched it almost yearly because I just don't watch like the satellite anymore. So my parents do have like Telemundo and Univision, and they'll still play it during that time. Yeah. And number two, what would you rate it? Out of 10? I would say this gets a solid eight, eight point five for me. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Like, I thought it had a good amount of her music in there, played in an enjoyable way. The costume, (laughs) the costume changes I thought were very entertaining and just like learning about the backstory of her life. I would rate it definitely like an eight, but they did a really great job with the outfits and like jlo's performance i think was overall quite good and it was pretty good storytelling you know what i mean i think it's really hard to kind of kind of mush someone's entire life into two hours and that's a very difficult feat and i think they did a very good job with it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. exactly no i i really enjoyed this one and i'm thankful that you gave me something that i liked and that educated me as well. Nice. We uh, come to my favorite time of the episode. <laughs> every Only other, my favorite every time. other episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know what? I, I didn't actually give this one a lot of thought. I figured that I would just kind of say whatever show or movie popped into my head in the moment. I had a couple that I was debating. But next week, Stephanie, you will be watching TV series Broadchurch. Don't know what that is. I knew you were going to say that. I have zero idea. I, I just don't know what it is. I'm, I think, you know what? I think it would be more enjoyable if I just didn't tell you what it was about. Okay. And you just watch it when you watch it. It will be a surprise. I have a feeling it's not along the lines of Too Hot to Handle. So no, it's what? not. That's way better already. So I will give you this. It was a show that I really enjoyed watching. I think it does have a couple of seasons, but the first season to me is the best one. My real interest is just in whether you will continue watching it after the first three episodes or not. I have a decent amount of confidence that you will, but I'm curious to see how you like it because I really did enjoy it. Okay, this is interesting because I think this is the first one that we've done where we actually, one of us has zero, like, I have zero idea about what this is about besides the fact that it's a TV show. If anybody would like to, like, watch along with us, it's on Netflix. (laughs) The Canadian one, at least. Yeah. (laughs) And is it British? Kind of sounds British. Okay. It is British. Okay. Yeah. It's something. It's something. I got something. Yeah. Okay, this is exciting. This is yeah. exciting. 
And I guess you guys will tune in with us next week. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.